and after you leave here. Amen. Good to see everybody. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 15. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 15 through 17, and then we'll jump down to Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. I would like to say this as well. I want you to know that I love you individually and collectively. And I want you to know that if there's anything at all that I can do uh, to assist, to help, to edify, to benefit you in your walk with Christ, I don't want you to hesitate. I need you to come to me, reach out to me, because I want to help. Um, I want to constantly remind you of that because I understand the times that we're living in and two things. People respond in the proper way when they ask for help, not when you volunteer to give them help, but when they ask and you give the help, they normally receive it at that point. Sometimes you try to help and if they didn't ask, it caused more problems than good. And so... I kind of live my life that way. And so that's why I tell you this morning, and I will continue to reiterate, that I love you and I'm here for you. Because I don't want you to think I don't care because I didn't reach out. If you, if you feel like I didn't reach out, maybe it's because I don't want to infringe in your space or offend you in any way or make you feel like I'm putting myself on you or I'm trying to force God down your throat. And so it's, that's the only reason why I didn't reach out. It's not because I don't love you. It's not because I don't want to help you to grow or help to encourage you in Christ. No, I'm just careful. I want to be such help to you that I want to respond when I, need, when I know you need it. And the way I know you need it is when you come to me and says, I need it. Amen. But my arms are open, my heart is open, and I'm here for you. I want you to know that, please. I want you to know that. Don't say... Well, he don't care. I really do. I wouldn't be standing here today if I didn't, because I can't do this on human strength. You only can pastor people and lead people to Christ on the strength of God, not on the strength of man. So I wanted you to know that I I really, truly love you, and I'm here for you. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 15 The word of the Lord says, and the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. A lot going on there. I got a lot going on in these texts. Not I got a lot, but the text got a lot going on. I'm not sure if I'm going to get to everything in the text today, but let's see what the Lord will do. Verse 16 says, and the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, Thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree, notice it's singular, but of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil. So there's a tree, one tree, that will cause you to know good and evil. Thou shall not eat of it, 
for in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. If there's a tree that causes one to know good and evil, that meant that at that time, man didn't know evil. If there's a tree that would cause man to know good and evil, it meant that man only knew good at that time. Make sense? Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. It's a lot going on right there. It's a lot going on right there. One of the things that I looked at right here is, and we'll talk about this in our marriage meeting, um, February, I believe, 7th and 8th, somewhere around there. It's a Friday evening and a Saturday morning. But it said that when we first read, the scripture said, the Lord God put the man in the garden to dress it and to keep it. And then he said to him, eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, don't eat of that tree. He told the man that. And so the man says, okay. Right? Then we read the woman partaking. Now, if you read through some of the rest of the scripture that led up to verse 6 in chapter 3, you will see the devil started reasoning with the woman. And one of the things the woman said was, we should not even touch the tree. So let me help you out a little bit. Larry, good to see you this morning. So let me help you out a little bit. The kids say, man, um, new dad really tall. I say, yeah, he tall. I say, dad, you know how tall he is? I don't know how tall he is. But he reasoned with her and she said, we can't even touch it. And so here is some more explanation. God gave instruction to the man. The man said to his wife, listen, honey, we cannot eat of that tree. God said we cannot eat of the tree. And then knowing us as men, as a matter of fact, I know you don't even go close to it. Don't even touch it. And so that's what the man said to his wife. Now, here's the problem. When he said that to his wife, she said, okay. Then all of a sudden. We're reading, and he's standing next to her when she ate it. Because it says he was with her. And so when she ate, she just like handed off. And he took, and he ate. And one of the things that struck me is God told a man what he shouldn't have, what he should not do. Don't eat of the tree and told him all that. He told his wife, and here we go. She decides she's going to still do what she wanted. Here's the problem in how sin entered into the world. He watched her do it. The husband 
watched the woman do what God told him not to do and what he told her not to do. Husband, you can't make your wife do anything, but you certainly can tell her when she's wrong. Don't you just let it slide. Just look and say, honey, that's wrong. That ain't godly. That ain't righteous. That ain't holy. God don't want us to be that way. Now, she might blow you off and still do what she wants, because that's what Eve did. But you still tell her anyhow. And then you don't do like Adam. When she do wrong and she try to pull you in it, just, no, nah, I'm not messing like that. No, I'm not doing that. I already told you that's, that wasn't right. God said don't do it. I'm not coming in it with you. Now, I'm going to pray for you when God is dealing with you on that, but I'm not doing it with you. You messed up. And today, woman, what you don't like, you hate the most probably, when somebody told you, when somebody tell you to submit to your husband, you hate that term. But understand this. He only made you to submit because when he told you to submit, you didn't do it. So he says, oh, you think I'm going to change? Oh, you're going to submit to your husband because you were supposed to listen to him when he told you and you didn't listen. What, do you think I'm going to change it? No, I'm not changing it. You're going to submit to your husband. And then, unfortunately, sin entered the world because the man sinned against God the woman disobeyed her husband. Woman didn't sin. She disobeyed her husband. Remember what I told you, whether last week or the week before. Sin is when we commit an offense against God. So clearly Adam sinned because God gave him instructions and he did not do what God said. So he committed an offense against God. So he was the one that brought sin into the world. But as for the woman, she disobeyed her husband. And that's why today, woman, whether you like it or not, you're supposed to obey your husband. I'm sure some man was going to tell me to take my time with that. All right, so here's what I'm going to say just so I can help everybody out so people won't go astray. Husband, you suppose to obey God. And so the rank and file is husband obey God and wife obey husband. Then guess what? It really is everybody obeying God. God just deals in order. He says, since I created the man first, I put the responsibility on him. So that's the order. But really and truly, everybody is supposed to be obeying God. So, husband, before you start saying, you better obey me. You can say it. And wife, I want you to say, and you better obey God. All right, so we all good now? Nobody wants to feel like they less than or there's a problem in heaven? No, there's no problem. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, whatever you want to do today, you know in my soul and my spirit how desperate I am to wanting to see transformation take place in the life of every person here. There's not one of us here today, including myself, that don't have more to go or further to go in you. 
And so, Lord, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you, Lord God, by your spirit and by your word, will work in all of our hearts today, will work in all of our minds today to take us from where we are to where you want us to be. Because, God, there's something must be done. I know your return is at hand. I know, almighty God, something is happening. And, Lord, I don't want to miss out on eternal life. I don't want to miss out on what you're doing. I want to be a part of what you're doing. We want to be a part of what you're doing. We want to be with you eternally. And so, God, I ask that today by your spirit and by your word that you will do the miraculous in our hearts and in this place that we will never be the same. Will you grab a hold of us today? Will you move us to where you want us to be? We are counting on you. We're desperate for you. Oh, God, I am depending on you because we can't do it ourselves. But, God, you can. You can, almighty God. Take us beyond our ability. Take us beyond our strength because we're totally reliant upon you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Today, I've entitled this message, Free Will, because the choice is yours. Free will. You've got free will. The choice is yours. From the beginning of creation, mankind seems to focus On the forbidden. Somebody say forbidden. From the minute we are told you can't have that. Or that that's not for you. Or stay away from that. We begin to focus on that thing. And we become curious as to why we can't have it. And so understand that about you. Don't fool yourself. Don't deceive yourself. You will always desire or get curious about the forbidden. What you're not supposed to have. You will always be curious about it. You will always want to know more about it just the way we are. We must never focus on the forbidden. If God forbids something, we must not focus on it, but rather put our attention to what God commands us to do and to have. If you Get to dwelling on thoughts about things that are forbidden. You may quickly get into a vulnerable frame of mind, a frame of mind that caused you to succumb to that forbidden. So we always have thoughts floating around in our mind. Some of them, the devil will bring to your mind. Some of them are experiences from the past. And so, 
they're just times when they're floating around in our mind. And we have to know when those thoughts are forbidden, when those thoughts are not of God. And, and we have to stop immediately focusing on those thoughts. Because if you focus on those thoughts, it makes you vulnerable to succumb to those things. Hear this. When we speak about or focus on the forbidden, we are letting Satan know just how to defeat us. It's not a coincidence why you struggle with the things you're struggling with. We struggle with the things we are struggling with because somewhere, somehow, we have focus on that forbidden thing. And somewhere, somehow, we've given attention to that forbidden thing and the devil has watched you and now he knows you desire that. And now he knows you want that. And he will work hard as he can to keep on placing it before you. That's the way he works. Because the devil can't read your mind. The Bible says God knows your thoughts are far off before they even come to you. God knows them. The devil don't know your thoughts. He can't read your mind. But he certainly can watch your behavior. And he watches your behavior and know what it is that you desire. He knows from your past what you desire. So even when you've been walking with God for 10 years, 15 years, 30 years, he knew you a long time ago and what you focused on. And he will continuously bring that situation or that thing to your mind and try to get you to succumb to it. He will never leave you alone. Deception can overcome the mind that focuses on the forbidden. When you focus on the forbidden, you can be deceived. Thinking things are one way when they're really not that way. The reality is not the same as what you could be deceived about. So deception is not reality. You're deceived, but it becomes your reality because you're deceived. There's a scripture where the Bible says God will send a strong delusion that we can believe a lie. And guess what? Deception can come from God. Delusion can come from God. And anything that comes from God will always seem real. And so we got to realize that if we focus on the forbidden, the devil can deceive you or God can send you a strong delusion if you won't get it together and focus on the right thing. So church, I'm here to tell you today, don't allow yourself to focus on the forbidden. For it's that thing that Eve focused on that caused her to disobey her husband and for her husband to sin against God and for sin to enter our world. That's how sin got here. Because somebody decided to focus on the forbidden. Mm -hmm. We must focus on what God commands us to have. What God commands us to do and what God commands us to meditate on. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8. The Bible says, Finally, brethren, 
Whatsoever things that are true. That means that you need to, 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 to think about things that are of God because God is truth. And so when you want to know what is truth, you focus on the things that come from God. It says whatsoever things that are true, whatsoever things that are honest, okay, that, that's just backing up truth. Whatsoever things that are just, it's been just by God. Whatsoever things that are pure, just, just pure, with, that, that's not contaminated. Pure meaning unspotted, which means came from God. Whatsoever things that are lovely, uh, uh, the beauty of holiness, whatsoever things that are of good report, the Lord healeth thee, the Lord delivered thee, the Lord bless thee and keep thee, and let his face shine upon thee and make If there be any virtue, meaning if there be any moral purity in you, and if there be any praise, Think, meditate on these things. And so when the devil is trying to get you to focus on the forbidden, when your flesh is trying to get you to focus on the forbidden, you need to pull out Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8, and read it over and over, and begin to think of the goodness of Jesus, and begin to think of the things that are pure, and the things that are honest, and the things that are just, and the things that are of good report, the things that are lovely. You think about those things. But church, hear me loud and clear. If we don't get ourselves in the Word of God, if we don't get ourselves in the presence of God, if we don't get ourselves in a place of worship and praise, we won't understand what those things are. We won't know how to access those things. And I'm here to tell you today, church, if we're going to make it, we're going to have to dig deep and get involved with the Lord so we can begin to access the things. Of God. I got to be honest with you. I got to be honest with you, church. Listen. You don't want to. I'm sorry. You don't want to. Have this ease of believism religion. When you. Trying to follow the Lord. According to the easy way that people try to make it. Here is the scariest thing about that. When the end finally comes, you could be surprised. You don't want to follow this thing because it's the easiest, the, the, the easiest way to go. Let me do it this way. And, you know, we try to form God's word to make God seem like, you know, all good. Do whatever you want. Because you don't want to get to the end of your life and realize you wasn't really serving God. You don't want to get to the end of your life and realize all of those things that, because here is the story. God help me. Here's the story. What you desire in your heart, when God tried to get you back on track and you decide, you, you, you decide you're going to fight him and, and do it your way, after a while he says, go ahead. That's what you got to realize about God. Why? Because God is love. He's not going to fight you and beat you up to do what he wants you to do. And so if you keep on insisting on doing things your way, God decides, go ahead. And when you start doing it your way and it becomes your habit, guess what? You just can't stop doing it. And you're going to keep on deceiving yourself and saying, well, I go to church. Well, I pray and I do this. And when the end comes and it's time for you to leave this world, you're going to be surprised that you won't be able to go where Jesus is. 
And so we got to stop wanting and looking for the easy Christian way. And so I preach to you the word of God in a way where you have to deal with the things of God the right way and you won't be deceived. You can you can decide that I'm not going to listen. You can decide I'm not going to follow, but I am not going to preach to you to deceive you or lead you astray and make you believe you're okay when you're not. I can't do it, church. It's not me because I couldn't have served God. I couldn't be here today if this was some kind of crazy believism, Christianity that deceive you. I couldn't be here today because I ain't following no craziness. I'm not following anything that don't make sense. I'm not following anything that's not real. I'm not following anything that's just a figment of my imagination. There must be a real God and I gotta prove that he's real. There must be a real God that's doing powerful and miraculous things and I gotta prove it myself. The Bible says and when the day of Pentecost was fully come there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it filled the place where they were sitting and the Holy Ghost came and they received it and they talked in tongues why am I telling you that why am I telling you that because if I didn't talk in tongues, I was going to fight with God. Because God, if your Bible says when people receive the Holy Ghost, they talk in tongues, then let me talk in tongues. If not, this ain't real. That's what I'm talking about. That's how I prove this. Because what I read, I said, if it's in the book, I need to see it, God. And then he shows it to me, and I say, okay, let's keep on moving. And he has shown it to me time and time again, uh, how real he is, uh, and how true his word is. Uh, and that's why I'm here today, uh, not to play with this thing, uh, but to keep on seeking God and keeping it real. I'm going to keep it real. And so, we got to keep our minds on the things of God and fight when the forbidden come in your mind and the ungodly come in your mind. Fight it out. This is the reason why we don't go everywhere. Let me change that. This is the reason why I don't go everywhere. This is the reason why I don't do everything. Because the more ungodliness I do, the more fighting I'm going to have to do to make it to heaven. And that's the reason. So if you want to know why you need to stay on the straight and narrow, it makes you fight less. You can keep on rocking and rolling the way you want to, but the bottom line is you're going to have to fight a lot harder than somebody that decides to walk with Jesus, to live for Jesus, to do the things of Jesus. You will have to fight harder than them. That's what it is. That's what it is. Our actions are going to have to speak louder. God could have intervened and prevented the woman from eating from the tree he forbid her to eat from. Yes, he could have, but he didn't. Somebody want to know why? Probably got a couple reasons why. 
probably more than two, but here are the two reasons why God didn't intervene. He didn't intervene because he gave us, from the very beginning, free will. Can you imagine if everything you were getting ready to do wrong, God said, oh, what are you doing? You'll be a baby all the days of your life. A spoiled brat can't do nothing on your own. That's what you'll be. God ain't trying to raise up no Christian like that, 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 that you can't handle your business, you can't handle yourself. So he gave them free will, and so he didn't intervene. You know the other reason why he didn't intervene? Because <laughs> it was her husband's responsibility to intervene. God said, I gave him the authority. He was supposed to be leading her the right way. And so when she started doing wrong, it was his responsibility to say, oh, whoa, 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 honey, honey, honey. Mm-mm. So God left it up to them. There are some things we don't really realize that there's some things that God has left up to us. And we're sitting around waiting for God to do it for us. And that's, that's, that's a big problem because we're sitting around saying, well, God, you know, you're God, you should. No, no, no. God is saying there's some things I gave you authority and responsibility to do. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. Here is our scripture for the day. Mark this down. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. That I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. That both thou and thy seed may live. You know what's good about God? He didn't say, I said before, you got to decide. You got to be holy enough and righteous enough to decide. No. He said, I said before you, blessing and cursing. Life and death. Choose life. He didn't make it hard. He didn't make you have to pray real hard to figure it out. He didn't make you have to go to some priest and say, tell me what I should do. He said, no, just choose life. Uh Uh-huh. Didn't make it hard for you. If God gives you a choice and demand that you choose, then you have both the ability and the right to choose. So here is the deal. No matter what you think, no matter how you absorb anything, God is telling every one of us that we have to choose. We can say God all we want. We can say uh, hallelujah all we want. We can say bless God all we want. We can do all we want to do. But God said there must come a time where you choose. I love the Lord. He is so good. Oh, bless God. Holiness has a name, and it's Jesus. Uh huh. Sickness has, and we going on. Redemption has, that's great. We sing it. But the time has to come where you choose life, blessing. We can talk it all we want. We can sing it all we want. We can come to church all we want. If we don't choose, we are not doing what God has said we need to do. And so, choice was part of the divine nature and included in the 
image of God he used to make man. So because God in who he is is a God that can choose. When he designed us in him, in his image, we had to be creatures that can choose as well. He didn't make us robots. God created us that we are able to relate to him. Man, that's so powerful. He created us so we can enjoy him. He created us so we can receive benefits from him. Choice is necessary for any of this to take place. Uh huh. So, he created us so we're able to relate to him. You know, every time you come to this church, you're going to hear this because it's the most essential thing in the Bible and a lot of people don't understand it. God created us so we can relate to him. Now, think about it and, and think about can we really have related to God if he just remained a spirit. There's a lot of reason why God had to manifest himself as human. A lot of reasons. But understand this. He created us so we can relate to him and with him. You can't relate to a spirit because you're a physical being. So the, one of the reasons why God, not his son, God had to become man is so we can relate to him. Understand this. God manifested himself so we can see him. And because the only way he can become manifested as a human, he had to go through the birth process that automatically made him a son. It didn't mean he wasn't God. Y'all getting that? Nobody comes through the birth process and not be a child, woman or man, anybody. If, you come, if you're born, you're somebody's son or you're somebody's daughter. So the way God came into this world was through the birth process. Well, then he couldn't be no different. He was somebody's son. He was Mary's son. Joseph was his stepfather. Now, he went around saying God as his father because why? It was the heavenly workings that, that caused him to become a human. So, guess what? When he relate to the whole, my father, which is in heaven, that was just the relationship that he's trying to show you that when you become a human, you have to have a heavenly father. When you become a human, there's no human that don't have a heavenly father if you choose him as your heavenly father. He's your father no matter if you choose him or not. But the bottom line is God wants us to see that as a man, this is how we're supposed to operate and act. And so we missed it. And so God created us that we are able to relate to him. But you got to choose if you want to relate to him. You got to choose if you want to enjoy him. You got to choose if you decide that you want the benefits of God. There can be no expression, listen to this, there can be no 
expression of love where there is no possibility not to love. Let me say it again. There can be no expression of love where there is no possibility not to love. I don't want to get too deep in doctrine today, but just let me just slip this in real quick. People like to say, did God create evil? You know, these are people that don't really want to live for God, but they're looking for some reason to try to say the Bible ain't legit and, you know, I, I just whatever. But people like to say, did God create evil? From the mere fact that good is established, something had to be evil. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. For the mere fact that something is good, something had to be evil. If it's not good, what is it? Same thing here. If there's love, there has to be something that's not love. How are we going to differentiate? How are we going to know if we're loving? We have to, we, there has to be a way not to be loving for us to know we are loving. <laughs> there has to be good for us to understand there's a way that's not good. How else will we know? So sometimes we get ourselves worked up in a lot of things that makes no sense, but it's all because you don't want to obey the Lord. This is what it comes down to sometimes. What kind of relationship could exist between God and man if man had no choice or no choice in the matter? Just, 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 just understand that. Some of us, don't stone me for saying this, but some of us are raising children that say, I can't wait to get out of their house. Man, as soon as I turn 18, I'm out of there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so what it means is nobody, none of us, is in a situation where we're always going to be stuck having to be beholden to somebody else. You have your free will to do what you want. God made it so. God made it that you have a free will to make the decision what you want. God said it so. He says, I'm not going to force you to do anything. I'm telling you, you have the freedom to do whatever you want. Uh huh. That's one of the premise that I have in mind. As God moved me into the ministry and moved me into the ministry that I'm in now, is that and 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 that's probably one of the reasons why I said to you what I said to you at the beginning, because I realized God has given us all a free will. And the bottom line is you have the right to make any decision you want. God gave that to you. So I gotta respect that, because God respect that. And so whatever you decide is what you decide. I'm going to teach you some more and then I'll close this thing up. But 
If a man choose to submit to God's sustaining power, he will keep the man in perfect peace and the man will grow to love the one who first loved him. God gave man and angels the freedom to choose submission to him or a course that leads to destruction. So here's how it work again. God say, choose me. But by not choosing me, you're choosing a way of destruction. You see how it works? It's not that God set some way of destruction up for you. He is saying when you don't choose me, the things that are outside of me are not good for you. All right. Freedom has only recently been defined as the right to do what one pleases. Recently. Even just a few decades ago, it was never understood to mean that. Rather, freedom has traditionally meant the enablement to do what is right. Who's quiet? Uh-huh. That's what freedom was really about. But we took it to say, freedom of my individuality. He created beings, both angelic and human, and endued us with one of the fundamental traits he has. The ability to differentiate and to choose. God created you so you can differentiate and choose. But giving us the ability to choose does not imply he consent to any choice we make. Uh, let me say that again. Giving us the ability to choose, God gave us the ability to choose, doesn't mean he is consenting to any decisions that we choose or anything we choose to do. It doesn't mean that. Uh-huh. Yeah. We think that God created me and gave me the power to choose so I can choose what I want. Yeah, you can choose whatever you want, but God's not going to be in agreement with anything you choose to do. It's just like when you have kids that grow up. You know how you raise them, but they may choose to do things not the way you raised them. You don't consent with that choice. You just said, man, I ain't raised you like that. Why are you making these choices? And that's how God kind of deals with us. You can do whatever you want. I gave you the authority, the right to make these choices, but I'm not in agreement with that choice you're making because that's not how I raised you. That's not how I taught you. The ability to choose comes with responsibility. The ability to choose comes with responsibility. Hear this real closely. Authority and responsibility are always accompanied by accountability. Authority and responsibility are always accompanied by accountability. 
by God giving you the authority to choose and giving you the responsibility to choose, you are now accountable. Okay. I'd like to make sure we get it straight. If you're a manager at your job, supervisor at your job, where did your authority come from? Whoever's ahead of you. So who are you accountable to? Y'all got it? So if you're in a managerial role, a supervision role, and, 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 and you are calling the shots in your operation, you are accountable to who's over you. Because they gave you that authority. They gave you that responsibility. And even if you're not in a managerial or supervisor role, just say you're doing just the staff level work. Whoever your supervisor is, guess what? You're accountable to them because you have a responsibility. So, 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 so why we act like that's not how it go in the kingdom of God? Why, why we act like, eh, we do God so bad. God understands and God loves us. That's the only, we bank on that so much and I'm just like, you think love means I'm just going to put up with anything you do? That ain't loving you. I can't just tell my kids, do whatever you want, I love you. Who does that? Anybody do that? Oh, you can do whatever you want because I love you so much, you can do whatever you want. That ain't love. And so, free will does not imply accountability only to yourself. Free will, will, it does not imply accountability only to yourself. We are accountable for the choices we make to the one who enabled us. On the other hand, we have no one to blame for the wrong choice we make but the one who made the choice. Whatever choice you make, you can't blame anybody because you made the choice. We always look for a scapegoat to say, well, if they wouldn't have done this or this one didn't do this to me, I would have, no, 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 no. You still have the authority and the ability to choose what you want. And you can't blame it on nobody. I didn't choose this because what? Here's the biggest one of everything I'm going to say to you today. If you missed anything, don't miss this. People reject God, refuse to follow him because they prefer not to give an account for their decisions. I'm going to say it again. People reject God or refuse to follow him because they prefer not. To have to give an account for their decisions. So all the people that try to argue, I don't know if God real. All the people that tries to, I don't know if the Bible is accurate. All of the stuff that you're saying, I just gave you the answer. You don't want to be accountable for every decision you make. So you're like, let me get God out of this. Because if I get God out of it, I don't have to give no account. I don't have to live a righteous life. I don't have to live a life pleasing because I don't care. 
that's the real issue. That's it. And that's why you can't fight with people that have not decided, have not chose to follow God. Because really what they're telling you is, I don't want to have to give an account for every decision I make. So I'm just going to live my life the way I want and answer to nobody. Uh huh. People don't come to church and stay connected to church. Why? I don't want to listen to nobody. I don't want to be accountable to nobody. I want to live my life the way I want. Oh, hear me this morning. That's how we live our life. I don't want to give no account. I don't want to be responsible. Don't tell me how to live my life. Listen, I'm just the messenger of God. God is telling you how to live your life. You know, no, we, we like to try to put it on the preacher. <laughs> I hear you. Whatever way that makes you feel comfortable within your soul, that, you know, make you feel like you can keep on doing what you've been doing, and that's not pleasing unto God. I hear you trying to put it on the preacher. But baby, understand, uh, the Almighty One that create all people and all things, uh, that know everything that's in your mind, uh, you can't trick Him, uh, you can't deceive Him. Uh, the bottom line is, uh, you're going to have to face Him one day, uh, and you can't sell Him no You ain't going to be able to trick him. You can't tell him no mess about why you did or didn't. He knows everything about you. And so we come up with all these things. So we don't have to be accountable for the decisions we make. It's not how it works, church. When you get authority or responsibility from somewhere, that's where you're going to have to report back. And, 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 and the authority and the, and the responsibility, you have to make decisions. It came from somewhere. Came from the, it came from the Almighty God. And so whether you choose or choose not to, to, to be accountable to Him now, Oh, you're going to be accountable no matter what. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, we read it earlier. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. And so I close. I entitled this message today free will. The choice is yours because you are free to will yourself to make whatever choice you desire or want. God, when he designed you, gave you a thing that's called your will. And you can will yourself to make any choice you want. Oh, that's so hard. Oh, that's so difficult. Yesterday, me and another pastor friend of mine, we had a meeting down in South Jersey. I had a financial seminar here at our church. And so I started off the financial seminar, and I said, all right, let me go down to South Jersey because we have some pastors that's supposed to be meeting about some significant things. And so I said, Brother Henry, I'm running down to South Jersey. Just keep an eye on things and make sure you close up things. And so I left out. And so now I'm heading down. To, I went to pick my friend up, 
and I'm heading down to South Jersey. And he looked at me and he says, yo, man, I don't really want to go down here. I got so much to do. I got so many things that I have to do and I got to drive far to go get it done. I don't feel like doing that. I don't feel like going down here. And as soon as he said it, I said back to him, neither do I. I got something going on at my church. I didn't want to leave my church. I want to stay to the very end. And, and I said to him, this is the stuff I'm talking about. The people that will not show up, they felt like they didn't want to show up. And they not showing up. We don't want to show up either, but we're going to show up. You don't understand. God knows and sees everything. So you think that you're justified with the decisions that you're making. And God is saying, you must be crazy. You, you don't think I know somebody just like you that have chosen to do my will and you're giving me some excuse? What do you think? You think I'm buying that? You don't understand. We're all humans dealing with the same struggles. We're going through the same things. We're all flesh and blood. We all hurt. We all experience pain. When you begin to decide that, oh, I can't do that because my life. Don't make your situation greater than anybody else's. We're all in the same boat. And that's called earth. Yours is no different. So to try to do something different than what God wants, but others are doing what God wants, I don't know how we justify that before God. You may justify it and try to make your situation look like it's harder. But God knows that is not true. And you're going to know when you stand before God that it wasn't true. Well, you don't understand. I got this going on. Okay, and the person that's showing up and doing what they got to do, they got this going on. They might just have more going on than you, and you don't even realize it. Because I don't know how many of the people that, that, that didn't show up yesterday, I don't know how many of them had a financial seminar going on at their church. I don't know. I don't know how many of them had a, um, stuff going on at their church later on in the evening too as well. I don't know how many of them. So what I'm trying to tell you is don't make decisions thinking that it's a good excuse because God understands because my situation is just so difficult. Don't do that. You're deceiving yourself to think your situation is so difficult and the next person's situation is not that difficult. You're deceiving yourself. You're making yourself different from everybody else. And God says, no, don't go that way. Now, y'all want to hear something good? We got down to about Columbus. And the snow got out of control. So we just called up the brother, the other pastor, and said, hey, it's coming down like crazy out here, and the road's getting slippery. So we're asking for excuse to just turn around because we don't want to go all that way. So we came back, so I wasn't able to come back here. Thank you, Jesus. But, but, but here's the thing that I keep telling you all about. I, I tell you so many secrets that I don't know if you pick up on them and try them. Here's the secret. Here's another secret I keep telling you about. And that is you've got to step out in what God say to do. And that's when he will operate. We, what, this is what we do. Well, God, just work. And you stay where you are. God, just go ahead and do your thing. And God said, that's not how it works. Faith without works is dead. So God is saying, oh, I'm going to work. But guess what? You're not going to play me. You're not going to play me. You're not going to tell me what to do and then don't put up nothing. Oh, you got caught. You can't play God. 
You, you can't tell him to do something when he knows it ain't even in your heart. He said we work together in this. This is how we do it, brother. This is how we do it, sister. We work together. So I'm promising you I will do thus, thus, and thus. But you got to do thus, thus, and thus. That's how it works. And when we do it like that, that's when God part the Red Sea. Oh, Lord. Boy, when the Holy Ghost is moving, the Holy Ghost is moving. You go back and check your scripture and say if God parted the the, um, Jordan or the Red Sea without them saying, we're marching on. We're going on. And so when you put some effort into trusting God, God begins to show you that he's with you. But when you just sit back like, God, you got to do it. You ain't got nothing invested in it. You don't have anything invested in it. Why God should get involved with you? And so, you can will yourself to do something that you don't ordinarily want to do. Listen to me. I'm, I'm finishing up here. It's easy to choose the things we desire or the things we are emotionally connected to, and it's right to make those choices if they're according to the Word of God. So things that we like, things that we are emotionally connected to, it's easy for us to make those decisions. And that's cool if it's all in line with the Word of God. But what about the things you don't desire? Or what about the things you're not emotionally connected to? What will you do when you face those decisions to do those things and you're realizing, I'm not connected to that emotionally. Ah, it's not something I really desire. What kind of decision are you going to make then? And let me tell you what God's answer to you is. That's why I gave you a will. I gave you a will within yourself that you can make yourself do whatever I tell you to do or whatever you want to do. Oh, you quiet on me. The human will is something amazing. And when you put your mind to anything, listen, there was a man named Nimrod that put his mind to building a tower that was going to reach into heaven. He, he decided, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to just gather some people together, and we're going to do it. Look all throughout history, you will see mankind did things that they just got together and did, and it was great and successful. And so here's where God's got us. If you can do all those things without me, how are you going to explain not doing things that I want you to do that I'm going to help you with? How are you going to explain that? Because if I say to do something, I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to not empower you and strengthen you. I'm going to work with you. So why wouldn't you do it? What's going to be your excuse? With God, all things are possible. So what's going to be our excuse? With God, all things are possible. What's going to be our excuse? The choice is yours. We can't wiggle out of this thing. We're going to have to make a choice. And let me slide this in in case you don't understand this. By not making a choice, you made a choice. 
I'm not ready yet. This is the biggest thing about coming to church. I understand what the preacher was saying. He was saying some stuff. That's true. But I'm just not ready yet. You made a choice. You made the choice. You made the choice. Whether you choose to you choose life or you choose death, you made the choice by deciding I'm waiting because I'm not ready yet. You made a choice. Let me tell you something. God is amazing. I've learned so much about him. I'm like, this dude got an airtight thing going on. If we want to deceive ourselves in thinking that somehow we can finagle our way or you know, slick our way and, I don't know, talk our way, it don't work like that with God. We can do that with anybody else. It does not work with God. He's the all-knowing one. He's the all-powerful one. And he's present everywhere all at once. And he knows your thoughts before they become your thoughts. How are we going to outslick that guy? He is the one that keeps the breath in your lungs. How are we going to outslick that guy? How are we going to outtalk that guy? How are we going to outmaneuver that guy? He knows it all. Oof, man, I just bow down to him. I just bow. I say, God, I have realized that there is nothing we can do but just bow our knees. I've realized, Lord, there's nothing we can do but surrender and submit to you because every... Everything else we try, it's only going to lead us to destruction. Everything else we try to do, we're just going to complicate our life. Everything else we try to do is going to be for naught. And so God, with what knowledge I have of you, I'm just going to bow my knees and I'm just going to say, Jesus, I surrender to you because you are my strength. You are my hope. There is nothing that I can do without you. Everything exists me. Because of you, it's because of you why I'm still breathing. It's because of you that I have this intellect and I can go about and move about. It's because of you why everything exists and everything is moving. It's all because of you. And God, I bow my knees and bow myself before you and surrender to you and say, You are Lord. You are God. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so I'm bowing, I'm confessing before it's too late that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Almighty God, the Creator. All of everything, I bow down to you. I bow down to you. I bow down to you. We can't escape you. Somebody hear me today. We cannot escape him. We cannot get away from him. We cannot go any place where he isn't. God is just wonderful and powerful and all-knowing. And today he's calling heaven and earth to witness for us to choose life over death. Oh, help us, Jesus.
It's up to us today. Whatever you decide to do, you're choosing. However you leave here today, you made a choice. God is here and he's calling us to choose today. Don't let this day escape you. Don't let this opportunity escape you. We can't keep playing around. We can't, listen to me, we can't just keep showing up and pretending and keep on letting people think we're okay. Forget about what people think and worry about what Jesus thinks. If you will stand with me. What makes us, what is going to get you to the place of bowing before God? What's going to get you to the place of surrendering to God and say, God, whatever you want, that's what I'm going to do. Whatever your will, that's what I'm going to do. You are free to choose life or death. Let me tell you something. When you choose life, you're choosing. Listen to me. Let me slip these things in as we close out our service here today. When Jesus says choose life or death, here is what you're doing when you choose life. When you choose life, you're choosing light. What does light do for you? It allows you to see. It means you're no longer in darkness. It means you're not just going to bump into stuff. It means you're not just going to be moving around and going nowhere because you don't know where to go because you're in darkness. So when you choose life, you're choosing to walk in the light. And when you walk in the light, you know where you're going. You understand where you are because you're choosing light. When you choose life, you're choosing knowledge. You, you, you are choosing to know the ways of God and knowing God's word, to have understanding. When you choose life, you're choosing light and you're choosing knowledge. When you choose light, you're choosing truth and blessings. When you choose light, you're choosing prosperity and eternal togetherness with God Almighty. When you choose life, that's what you're choosing. You're saying, I'm tired of walking around in darkness. I'm tired of being ignorant to stuff. I want to know stuff. When you choose light, that's when you choose, when you choose life, that's what you're choosing. You will begin to see clearly. You will begin to understand things. You will begin to see blessings and truth and prosperity flowing in your life because you're choosing life. And probably we can sum it up this way. When you choose life, you're choosing to follow Jesus. He is the way, the truth, the life. You're choosing to follow him. When you choose to follow Jesus, that is compromised of three things. When you choose to follow Jesus. When you choose to follow Jesus, you are going to deny self. That's so hard. Uh Uh-huh. 
You know what's one of the things that I that, that, that I was able to, to 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 gauge how much I was following Jesus? When I started getting serious and Super Bowl Sunday came. Do I go to church or do I go watch the Super Bowl? Like I always did all the years before I got saved. And when I chose church, I said, Boy, you're doing all right. Not that I was, no, I didn't arrive. I just, I was doing all right because I denied myself. And that, that's just a little understanding of denial is understanding what you like and what you want and realize if it gets in the way of me doing what God wants me to do, then I have to deny myself. Uh-huh. If it gets in the way of what Jesus wants me to do, I got to deny myself. Yes. And so when you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to deny yourself of many things. Then you're going to take up your cross. You know what take up your cross means? It means to humble yourself and sacrifice yourself for the good of others. That's what take up your cross means. A lot of times people don't explain that because you, listen, you can't pick up a physical cross and put it on your back and walk around. You look stupid. Walking around with a cross. I'm taking up my cross. So we know that's not what he's talking about. What happened when he took up his cross? He was humbling himself. Why? Because he was almighty God. He could have just called angels to come. and He could have did anything he wanted. But he humbled himself to death. And he humbled himself and carried that cross. And what else was consisted of all of that? Not only did he humble himself... But he was sacrificing his life for others. So when you hear take up your cross, it means humble yourself and sacrifice your life for others. And then the final thing is you follow him. That means mimic him. Kids know how to mimic mimic people. If you have kids at some point in time, you saw them mimic you. That's what Jesus is asking us to do when we say we follow him. So if he pray... We need to pray. If he worship, we need to worship. If he love people, we need to love people. If, 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 he, if, he, if he consecrated himself by being alone, then we need to consecrate ourselves and be alone. All of these things that you read about Christ, don't dismiss them and say, that, well, that's just Christ. No, we're supposed to be following him, mimicking him. And if that's what we're doing, then we do what he did. Somebody say amen. amen. And so when we say we choose life, that's what we're choosing. When we choose life, it means we become spiritually revived. Uh-huh. When we do what we have to do to choose life, we become spiritually revived. We are spiritually nourished by the word of God and the spirit of God. And we're made whole by the power of God. And guess what? When our children follow us, the same goes for them. And so, here's the story. If you're choosing life today, if you've never been born again, you need to be born again. Because that's choosing life. There's a process. You don't just decide that, okay, um, um, I'm, 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 I'm choosing life. Okay. Action. Speak louder than words. So speak about 
choosing life today. In your mind, you're saying, I'm choosing life. Okay. That's the word. That's, that's the word you spoke. Your action now has to say, okay, now show me the process that back up my word. And so the bottom line is, if I choose life today and I'm not born again of the water and of the spirit, what that means is repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, God filling me with the Holy Spirit, and me speaking in tongues as the evidence that the Holy Spirit dwells in me. If that hasn't happened in my life, then I need to choose that today. If I'm a Christian and I'm not living the way I should live, then I need to choose life. And you know what that is? That means that I've been born again, repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, infilling of the Holy Ghost. But now I need to go get revived because I've allowed myself to kind of spiritually die and I need to get revived. So when I say I'm choosing life, if you've been a Christian, you need to get revived. When you, if you're a Christian and you're doing well, then what you're saying is I'm choosing life because there is more to how I'm living to God that, that, that I'm, that I've, that I haven't experienced. And so I'm choosing life to experience the things of God that I have not yet experienced. Did I leave anybody out? So everybody in here has a choice to make. And so remember, if you don't make a choice, you made a choice. If you make the choice to choose life, then do what you need to do. And so I want you to take a couple minutes today and I want you to just talk to the Lord. We're almost out of here. Just talk to the Lord for a couple minutes. And then after we're done, I'm going to ask, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to ask you, raise your hand if you made a choice. And depending on what that choice is, we will follow through with it. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, I don't know what to say about you. You know, you just know everything about us. And there are times when we're thinking, Lord God, that we've got it together. And then here you come to let us know, oh, we have so much more to go. There's some, so many times where we think, Lord God, that we understand, and then here comes your word telling us that we don't really understand like we think we understand. And so, God, today, I know I'm, I'm saying to you, I am saying to you, Lord God, will you help me today to go beyond my abilities, to go beyond my understanding? For, Lord, I know where I am today. There is so much more to you. There is so much more to your purpose and your will for my life that I don't even understand. And so today, Lord God, I'm asking you to help me to understand because I'm choosing life, oh God. Lord, I don't want to be deceived. I don't ever want to get to that place, almighty God, where I think that I'm okay. And by the time I realize I'm not okay, it's too late. God, I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want to go through that, Lord God. And so I ask you to not let me dece be deceived. Remove as it is scales from my eyes that I can see clearly. 
Oh my God, will you show me my heart and the darkness of my heart? And will you help me to understand how to overcome it, Lord God? I choose life today. I want to walk in light. I want to walk in the knowledge of Christ. I want to walk in truth. I want to walk in holiness. I want to walk in righteousness. And more than anything else, Lord, I want to be an example I want to be a child of the Most High God. I want to be an instrument and a conduit that you, you can work through for somebody else, Lord God, benefit. I'm here, Lord God, for 